Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Do you ever talk to yourself? Uh, I bet that we all do. Uh, Only some of us do it out loud. Um, But most all of us have some kind of self-talk that goes on. It, It might be talking ourselves into getting up in the morning for an exercise plan. It might be bawling ourselves out for having another donut, or or maybe justifying ourselves as to why we needed to speed on the way to church today. I didn't speed on the way to church today as far as I know, but I wasn't really watching too close. Um, I bet you can think of your own example, so, of of self-talk that goes on. And a lot of our self-talk has to do with our conscience, or, or convincing ourselves to do something, or even just telling ourselves we need to change our attitude in something. And that's kind of what I see happening uh, for David, the author of Psalm 103, as he starts out with kind of a self-exhortation, telling his soul to bless the Lord. And maybe you and I could benefit from that kind of self-talk today. You know, sometimes we spend so much of our focus on all of those negative things going on in our lives and in the world around us, and these days you don't have to look far to see plenty of that. But we can end up overlooking all of the blessing that God continues to shower upon us. Dr. Tim Lane was uh, one of the instructors at our AFLC School's uh, Summer Institute in Theology that I got to take in a couple weeks ago. He's also author of a book that's it's titled Unstuck, A Nine-Step Journey to Change That Lasts. And in that book and in the classes I took in, he walked through then nine practical steps to positive change in your life. And I don't know about you, but whenever I hear of steps, I tend to be a little skeptical about that. But his teaching was biblically solid, and I found those nine steps to be useful tools for me in my own life and in helping others as well. And the first step then that he focused on was this, get grounded in Christ. That is, find your identity and your your sense of self-worth in in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that ends up being then foundational to everything else. I'm not going to go through all nine steps, but the second step then was very interesting to me. He he called it a scavenger hunt. And... um, Looking around, then, at the Spirit of God's work in your life. We get so wrapped up in all of the negatives, but as you stop and think about your own life, what, what good things has God done and is he doing in your life? Take a look at that, he said. Well, as we look at Psalm 103, we're going to be reminded of the benefits that we receive from the Lord and the kind of character that our God is. And the great contrast, then, that exists between humanity and and his deity. And so I invite you to look with me at Psalm 103. And and this is a favorite psalm of many. Uh, Charles Spurgeon describes it as a mountain peak of song that overtops the rest. He also describes it as an apple tree among all the trees of the wood. 
And he says in his commentary on this psalm, and I quote, Our attempt at exposition is commenced under an impressive sense of utter impossibility of doing justice to so sublime a composition. We call upon our soul and all that is within us to aid in this pleasurable task, but alas, our soul is finite, and all of our mental faculty far too little for the enterprise." End quote. It's a great psalm. There's so much in here. And I guess I feel a little like that as I look at this today and as, as I preach on this wonderful psalm. Would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read today? <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, and he is mindful that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of you his hosts who serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all of you works of his in all places of his dominion, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful psalm, this reminder of the benefits that we have knowing you, uh, reminding us of your character, reminding us of who we are in, in contrast, Lord. And may we bow in, in awe and reverence of you today. And may we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. Encourage us and remind us of those things today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> As I mentioned by way of introduction, David starts out this psalm then with some self-talk. Self-exhortation to his soul to bless the Lord. Yeah, and this first verse then is personal. That the soul is our innermost being, uh, which is able to then have a personal relationship with the invisible God. It, it's the eternal part of us that lives on even after we die. And this first verse is fervent in that David is calling on his soul 
to bless, or some translations say to praise the Lord, and to do so with all that is within him. Spurgeon says that that includes in all of my thoughts, my feelings, my understanding, my will, my memory, my conscience, my afflictions, my passions. All of them ought to praise and bless the Lord. Why? Well, this verse is rational. David is reminding himself that based on God's character and his goodness to him in the past, God deserves to be blessed or, or praised. And then the, the verse leads into the specifics of that to those benefits, personal benefits that I ought not to forget that God gives us. And the first one is this, he pardons. Now, you might have heard that President Trump last Friday granted a lady named Alice Johnson a full pardon. She was a first-time non-violent drug offender who was imprisoned because of then attempted possession of cocaine. And she was imprisoned for 21 years as a result for a first-time drug offense. And Alice uh, has now received a full pardon, and, and a full pardon from the president means that she is free to go on with her life without the baggage of this past crime. That's what it means to be pardoned. Well, David reminds himself here in this psalm that the Lord pardons not just one past sin, but all of his sins. And he offers to do the same for you and for me. To grant us a full pardon so that we don't have to carry around the guilt for any of the sins of the past. Secondly, we see this benefit. He, he heals. Verse 3, who heals all your diseases. And now this one can perplex us a bit. We know that God is able to heal anyone. And he sometimes does that even instantaneously. And other times he does so gradually through medical doctors and surgeries and medications and so on. But sometimes people don't get well. Their, their disease takes their life. That is true. But it is also true that when the Christian breathes his last in this life and he enters eternity, he or she is healed, never to encounter sickness again. And Kidner in his commentary points out that then while, while sin destroys our relationship with God, suffering may deepen our relationship with God. And thus, he says, God forgives all of our sins immediately, pardons us, but he also heals all of our diseases, though it's sometimes more gradually or with the promise of it only being complete in eternity. Thirdly, he redeems. Verse 4 says, who redeems your life from the pit. Now, now, what pit is David talking about here? It might be that there's some deep trial he encountered in the past in which God has helped him out of. There are other psalms that talk about him feeling like he was in the pit. You know, sometimes people say, my life is the pits. Or they say, that's the pits, Right? And I have to wonder if maybe that expression actually came out of this concept from this verse here. Well, God can turn around a life from being in the pit of despair to a life of purpose and hope. But I think we need to recognize this verse as even more than that. And, and that is this. The ultimate pit for each of us is the grave. It's being six feet under. And David believed in the resurrection. 
He believed that the Lord would one day raise his body from the grave. And that's when then ultimate redemption will have taken place. Fourthly, he, he crowns. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion there. You know, a crown is worn on the head. It's a symbol of royalty. And David, who was then an actual king, is, is saying that the crown that the Lord has put on his head is God's loving kindness and compassion in his life. Knowing the awesome love and compassion of the Lord crowns him each day. And then fifth, he says that God satisfies Verse 5, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the, like the eagle. And so David's self-talk to his soul here in these first verses has involved reminding himself not to forget those benefits of living in a relationship with the Lord God. Pardon for all of his sins, healing from all of his diseases, in part here and now and complete in eternity, when his body will be redeemed even from the pit of the grave. And while he lives in this life, he experiences daily the loving kindness and compassion of God. And his years on this earth then are satisfied with many good things. So that even as he gets older, he's given an inner strength like the eagle that soars seemingly effortlessly. Now is that not your testimony as well? The New Testament has, has shed even more light on these truths for all believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross provided the way that we could be fully pardoned for all of our sins. In him we have healing for all of our diseases, which will be complete when Christ returns and he redeems our bodies from the grave. And while we live here on this earth, we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us and speaks to us then through the word and reminds us regularly of the loving, loving kindness and compassion of our God and who satisfies us with good things in our daily lives. Not that our lives are trial-free by any means, but that each day, as we look for it, we will see God's goodness to us. Well, so far we're just through the first five verses of this great psalm. And we've told ourselves not to forget these significant benefits for knowing the Lord. As we look at the next section here, verses 6 to 13 here, we see God's general uh, attributes to reflect upon. What, what is God like? What's his character? And, and reminded here, he performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. And, and that means then he is a God who cares. He cares for the oppressed. And he is completely righteous in his dealing with them, and he calls us than to have that same attitude toward them. We see also here that in verse 7, he has made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. Now what does that tell us about God? It's that he isn't some vague, unknowable entity, but he has chosen to reveal himself to us. He did that for Moses, first of all in the burning bush, later on Mount Sinai when he gave him the Ten Commandments. God wanted the nation of Israel to know him and to live in a personal relationship with him. And he has made known then a whole lot more about himself in the rest of the scriptures, which we now have so readily available to each of us. And some of the most significant things about him then are revealed in the next verse there, verse 8, and what follows. 
There it tells us that he, our Lord God, is compassionate, he's gracious, he is slow to anger, and he is abounding in loving kindness. And though we sin daily, and he has every reason to be angry with us, yet he's slow to anger. And he says in verse 9 here that he won't always chide or, or rebuke us, and he will not keep his anger forever. And connected to all of them, then it comes down to this in verse 10. He's given us way better than we deserve. Way better. Verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins or rewarded us according to our iniquities. And those truths then are further illustrated with three beautiful pictures here. I want you to picture these things. First of all, he says that as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. Now, science estimates that the top of the universe is 46 billion light years above the earth. I don't even know how you can conceptualize that. That's way up there. That's the point. It's high. That's the awesome love of God for all who will humble themselves before him, admit their sins, and believe in his son that he sent to die for us as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. The next picture is this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Well, how far is east from west? I've been on a plane before going east at 600 miles an hour across the ocean, and I looked down and I saw nothing but water for hundreds of miles. In almost 14 hours and 6,000 miles after taking off, we landed, and we hadn't even gone across a third of the globe. If we kept going, when would east have met west? Never. Now, if I'd gone north or south, I'd reach a pole where the two meet. But going east and west, you can keep going on and on around the globe without ever meeting the other. David's point here is this. When God pardons our sins, they're removed from us to be brought up no longer. A third picture here. Just as a father has compassion on his children, verse 13, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now what father, when he sees his own little helpless child in need, will not step in and use his strength to meet that need. That's the heart of the Heavenly Father, full of compassion for his children. Do you grasp what an awesome, compassionate, and gracious God we have? Well, as we look on him, we, we become mindful of something, and that is of our own smallness and our many limitations in contrast to his awesomeness. And as you look on in this psalm here then, we see this great contrast between man and God. And we're reminded that man's time on earth is so temporary. He says his days are like grass and, and flowers. They're, they're s s seasonal. Falls kind of in the air, isn't it? As you drive around, you see that most of the hay has been put up. The grass is dried, and my flowers are fading, 
and the wind blows and the petals disappear. And so this psalm reminds us that is our life. Can you identify with that? Some of you, like me, ask, where did the years go? Life is over so soon. But in contrast to us is the Lord God. Permanent. And he says here, and so is his love for us. It lasts for all eternity. Verse 17, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So think about that. I, I am part of the uh, fifth generation uh, of Quanbecs here in America. My kids are the sixth. Grandkids are the seventh. And God's loving kindness has spanned all of those seven generations, though there are only three of them here on this earth. The other four are in the grave, awaiting the resurrection. And that steadfast love then for all who fear God and who seek to follow his ways and his word will not waver. It will not run out. It will be there for my great-grandkids. It's everlasting and will go on through all eternity. And David reminds us of God's permanence here in verse 19, and he sums it up saying, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. And then as we look at 20 and, and the verses beyond, we have a conclusion here. All of the heaven and earth are summoned to join and to bless the Lord. His angels, who are mighty and who do his word, he says, Bless the Lord, all you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all of you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I want to encourage you to talk to yourself today. And to remind your soul today of God's benefits to you. We do plenty of negative self-talk and plenty of complaining about all the negative things in life, don't we? Remind your soul today of God's benefits to you. And if you're trusting in his son Jesus Christ as your Savior today, then the Lord pardons all of your sins. He heals all your diseases, crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, satisfies you with good things every day, has redeemed you, and will ultimately redeem your body even from the grave. And he is perfectly righteous in all that he does relating to us. He, he is knowable. He wants, to get to know, uh, he wants us to get to know him personally through his written word. And, and he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love for you and for me. And, and so join with the angels and with all creation in, in blessing and, and praising him even today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God for this psalm of David, for his talking to himself, uh, reminding his soul of the many blessings that he has in knowing you. Thank you, Lord, that you encourage us with that too. And Lord, you know the situations we are facing in our lives and in this world around us today. And much of it is discouraging. But Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you each day to see the blessings, the benefits that you have showered upon us. 
to be reminded of who you are, what you're like, and your steadfast love for us that will go on for all eternity, that was there for our ancestors and will be there for our descendants. And Lord, may we live each day then looking to you. And Lord, even as we close out this service today, put a song on our lips of praise to you and encouragement through this hymn that we sang, Lord, of, of all that you have done for us and continue to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.